what's going on. Um, you probably are used to see me playing a guitar. Well, somehow the secret got out that I play the piano a little bit. And uh, there was some insistence that I play the piano today. So let's see how this works. Should be interesting at the very least. Okay, you guys ready? On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown To the old rugged cross I would ever be true Its shame and reproach gladly bear Till he calls me someday To my home far away Where his glory forever I'll share So I'll cherish 
the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown and exchange it someday for a crown <laughs> So now we got to unwind ourselves <laughs> Galatians 5.25 is our scripture for today. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Good morning again and happy Sabbath. So the title of the sermon, Walking in the Spirit, a Constant Commitment. This whole month we've been talking about what? What's our overall theme, Ben? New beginnings in the Spirit. So what are some things that we've learned so far? Go ahead and just shout them out. What have we talked about? Surrender, asking for the Spirit. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit. All right, some things. Now today, we're going to talk about that constant commitment, walking in the Spirit. Before we begin, let's go ahead and have another word of prayer. Heavenly Father, here we are, coming before your throne asking for a blessing from you. I pray that you would empty me of myself so that I can be filled with you, so the words that are spoken today are directly from you. I don't want there to be any distraction from me, Father, in the things that I say, and I pray that you would rebuke Satan's power to distract each of us so that we can focus our hearts and our minds on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Let's talk about constant commitment. What does that mean to you if you hear constant commitment? Unconditional. Unconditional. I like it. Dedicated. Dedicated. Fidelity. Fidelity. Here are some definitions that I looked up from Merriam-Webster on constant. Marked by firm Steadfast resolution or faithfulness, invariable, uniform, continually occurring or recurring. And here is the definition for commitment. An agreement or pledge to do something in the future. An engagement to assume a financial obligation at a future date. 
something pledged, the state or an instance of being obligated or emotionally impelled. So keep those ideas in mind as we continue. Now let's think about here some common commitments. What, are, what do you think of when you hear the word commitment? Marriage. Marriage. That's a big one. Anything else? Job. Job. That was next on my list. How about a mortgage or a loan payment? You have a commitment, right? You signed an agreement that you are going to pay for this, whatever it is. Can you think of anything else? What was that? Baptism. Baptism. I like it. I like it. So those were the three big ones that I had on my list. I'm going to invite you to turn with Luke to Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Thinking about this commitment with a job. I once came across this comical thing on the internet and I wanted to read it to you. Somebody was definitely committed to getting a job. I don't know however I'm sure many of you have applied for a job and I'm sure many of you have probably gotten rejected. Yes, I have. It's just part of life. But this particular individual was must have been applying for a university job. And here's the letter that he wrote in response to his rejection. Dear Professor Millington, thank you for your letter of March 16th. After careful consideration, I regret to inform you that I am unable to accept your refusal to offer me an assistant professor position in your department. This year, I have been particularly fortunate in receiving an unusually large number of rejection letters. With such a varied and promising field of candidates, it is impossible for me to accept all refusals. (laughs) Despite Winston's outstanding qualifications and previous experience in rejecting applicants, I find that your rejection does not meet my needs at this time. Therefore, I will assume the position of assistant professor in your department this August. I look forward to seeing you then. So if you're going to be committed, that's the way to do it, right? All right, Luke, chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Our commitment, take up our crosses daily. Now, we learned a little bit about that in an earlier sermon, right? Because taking up your cross meant crucifixion, right? Thinking about that. Can we put ourselves on a cross? No, not really possible. All right. I'd like you to turn back to our scripture back in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read a few more verses. Galatians chapter 5, starting this time in verse... 15, 16, excuse me. And uh, in my Bible, I have my headings there, and this one says, Walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, 
Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here we go. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And we'll stop there. Let's talk about walking in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? When I did the, started doing research for this, I uh, looked in uh, my concordance, and at the back you've got those uh, the Greek and uh, I don't remember the dictionaries there. And looking into this, this, this idea of walking means to march in rank, to keep step, conform to virtue and piety, walk orderly, walking in relation to others, in an exhortation to keep step with one another in submission of heart to the Holy Spirit, and therefore keeping of keeping step with Christ, the great means of unity in the church. So this idea of walking isn't just, you know, walking from point A to B, but marching and walking in relation to someone else, right? So I'm kind of reminded of watching a military unit, or a little more familiar to myself, a marching band. So you've probably all seen them marching down the street. They march in unison. They, uh, you're supposed to be marching in unison, right? You see every once in a while somebody's off step, and, and I just try to ignore that. But that's what this concept reminds me of. If we are to walk in the Spirit, here's a big key. We need to let him lead. All right, now let's think about this idea of living in the Spirit. As our text said, if we, are to, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to spend some time here. Brother Carl, I don't know how we did this, but the Spirit was definitely working when, he, uh, when you picked out your uh, call to worship there. Let's read Romans 8, verses 1, and then we're going to flip over to verse 14. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's that idea of walking again. And then over to verse 14. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So when we, if we are going to live in the Spirit, we need to be led by the Spirit. All right, now this comes from our Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentary, speaking about walking in verse 1. Literally, walk about implying habitual conduct. Not after, the, not after the flesh means not according to the flesh. Those in whom the righteous requirements of the law is fulfilled no longer live according to the dictates and impulses of the flesh. The gratification of carnal desires is no longer the guiding principle in their lives. Can I hear an amen? All right. Now, after the Spirit... That is, they regulate their conduct according to the dictates and guidance of the Spirit, the indwelling Spirit of Christ. Likewise, the result of the working of the Holy Spirit in the life is love, for the fruit of the Spirit is love. Consequently, the life according to the Spirit means a life in which the righteous demands of the law are fulfilled, a life of love and obedience that such a life might be made possible for believers was the great purpose for which God sent his Son into the world. And then speaking about verse 14, being led. Literally, our being led. The present tense indicates continuous action. Continuous action. The leading of the Spirit does not mean a momentary impulse but a steady, habitual influence. It is not those whose hearts are occasionally touched by the Spirit or those who now and then yield to his power who are the sons of God. God recognizes as his sons only those who are continually led by his Spirit. It is important to notice that the guiding and transforming power of the Holy Spirit is described as leading, not forcing, There is no coercion in the plan of salvation. The Spirit dwells only in the hearts of those who accept him in faith. And faith implies a loving and willing submission to the will of God and the directing influence of the Holy Spirit. So you see where we're going here? Walking, being led by the Spirit, living in that relationship. I'm reminded, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Monty Python. You're probably wondering, what is he doing bringing Monty Python into this church? But I saw a sketch once, and it was uh, about the quote-unquote ministry of silly walks, or the department of silly walks. So in this skit, you see somebody walking, and he's doing this really obscure walk, going... I mean, it's the most bizarre thing you could ever see, okay? So this gentleman goes into this office, and he's requesting funds for the development of this silly walk from the government. If you want a good laugh, go ahead and YouTube it. It's quite comical. But the reason I bring this up, when we try to walk about life on our own without submitting and accepting Christ into our heart, That's probably what we look like to him, right? Just totally off the wall, bizarre. 
Let's talk about commitments again. We talked about some common commitments being marriage. And I really think that our relationship to God is very similar to that. That commitment. Um, Commitment in a marriage is such a special thing. You have a deep connection with that other individual, with your spouse. And you do whatever you can to make their life a better life, right? Let's think about God's commitment to us. How many of you think God is committed to us? Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Jeremiah 31, verse 3. This is going to be a really good example of his own words, of his commitment to us. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. I'm sure you're probably well familiar with this. Oh, where to go? Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, you can say this with me, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. An everlasting love. That says something, doesn't it? His commitment to us. I'm also reminded in the Old Testament while we're there, when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, God showed his commitment to them in in a couple of ways. He fed them manna. He provided for their daily needs, right? And he provided protection, a visible sign of his presence there. And what was that? During the day, it was the pillar of cloud. And during the night, it was the pillar of fire. To me, that speaks volumes, that he is committed to his people. How about Jesus Christ in his ministry? I mean, what clearer picture of a commitment that we have than that? How he came to this world, gave up his divinity, really, you know, his, and became a human being. Became a created being. And then all the things that he did for his people trying to better our lives here, right? Healing and forgiving and bringing back to life. Or the And once he went up back to heaven... He was still committed, right? After he went back, what did he do for us? Interceded. And he sent us his his spirit. Amen. Another thing I really am, uh, really hits me is this idea. Turn with me back to Romans 8 and verse 15 this time. I love the book of Romans. So much stuff in there. Romans 8 and verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. He is committed to us. The spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Because we all are sinners, right? And we all need saving. And he has made that possible through Jesus Christ. So, to get the Spirit, we need to surrender, right? Walking in the Spirit means a daily surrender, a daily communion, so we can walk and be led by him. 
You know, you, you can choose, like back in the marching band or the, uh, the military, those soldiers physically do have a choice to make, right? Whether they're going to follow the person in front of them or if they're going to do something else, right? We all have that same choice, whether we're going to follow the Spirit or if we're going to do our own thing. Let's take a look at Jesus' example. Practically speaking, Jesus was a man of prayer, right? He was committed to his Father in heaven. Mark chapter 1, and I can read this to you if you don't want to turn there, but Mark chapter 1 and verse 35 gives us a good idea. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, this is Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So practically speaking, I've heard this from several different people. When is a good time to go and pray? In your day. What, what time of day? Well, really any time, right? But the morning, if you're going to wake up, if, you're gonna re- if you really want to have a good day, the first thing to do is pray. Start that connection. Invite that Holy Spirit into your heart. Jesus went out and he was a man of prayer. He also spent a lot of time in the synagogues and teaching and preaching and reading the scriptures, right? One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 119, even though that's quite lengthy. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, tell us a lot about that. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commands. In verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We can find lots and lots and lots of verses in here that talk about the importance of reading. What does reading the Bible do for us? It really gives us a clear picture of who God is and his will for our lives, right? And gives us, what, is it, what do they say, basic instructions before leaving earth? The Bible. So, Jesus was a man of prayer and he read the Bible. That gave us, gives us that good idea of what uh, he wants for us in our lives couple more verses we're going to look at here. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. Also shows his commitment to us. Jeremiah 11, verses... No, Jeremiah 29, excuse me, verses 11 through 13. For I know the thoughts... That I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you do what? With all your heart, when you search for me. Amen. I'm also reminded about seeking and searching in Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first 
the kingdom of God. At this time, I'm going to invite Jonas up here, and we're going to give you a little, one more uh, musical meditation to show our commitment or, or this idea of a constant commitment. The song we're going to sing is I Gave My Life for Thee. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou might ransom be and quicken from the dead. I gave Gave my life for thee. What hast thou been for me? I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou been for me? My father's house of light, my glory circled round. Thou left all for me. I left, I left it all for thee. Hast thou left all for me? I suffered much for thee, more than thy tongue can tell. A bitterest agony. Thou born for me. His invitation to us to have a constant commitment to him. The last verse I'd like you to look up. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If I can get there. There we go. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. One of my favorite verses. I've got a lot of favorite verses. 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. To walk in the Spirit, we need to let Him lead. There are so many things out there that distract us, so many things out there that struggle for our attention. It's my prayer that each and every one of us, every day, will take that time early in the morning, spend with Him, invite His Holy Spirit into your hearts so we can be stronger in Him, that we can be unified that we can learn more about him every day. I invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have every day to be in communion with you, to renew our commitment to you. I pray that each heart here, each head that's bowed, will make that decision to recommit their lives to you. We want the Holy Spirit to lead us day by day. We ask that you would forgive us for when we go astray and then when we try to do things on our own. Uh, give us the strength each day to be led by that Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand. <laughs>